The following program has been pre-recorded. On this episode of Belonging, the show for young Catholic adults, we'll talk to Julie Bowles, the adoption and pregnancy counseling over at Catholic Charities here in Nashville. It should just always be something that is celebrated. You know, child comes into a family through biological means, a child comes into a family through adoption. It's both delightful and beautiful. So tell us about the work she does with adopted parents, the adopted child, and the birth parents. Thousands of adoptions that are going on that are beautiful, open experiences. Next. This program is made possible by the generous donations of Jeannie and Bill Stasekel, members of Christ the King Parish in Nashville, and by a grant from the Cook Foundation. Take advantage of the many opportunities for young people in the Nashville Diocese to connect and find belonging. Like University Catholic, a community of college-age students who are serious about their faith and unite in fellowship and friendship to deepen their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Go to universitycatholic.org to find out more. You can also connect with young Catholics like you by attending events like Summit Music City. It's a night of music followed by adoration and reconciliation. It's free and open to young people of all faiths. Go to soundscatholic.com. To find the right young Catholic connection for you, call the Catholic Youth Office of the Diocese of Nashville, 615-645-9762. Hello, and welcome to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio. Belonging is a place where young adults can find connection, rest, and encouragement on their journey with Jesus Christ. And each week we're joined by a different guest, uh, doing different parts of, of life for young Catholic adults, whether it be relationships, uh, finances, but the theme of the show is belonging. Uh, and so top, I always kind of rumble through my head topics. Like I kind of think, 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 uh, of something good. Uh, but sometimes it just kind of hits you when you don't have to think too hard at all. And so that theme of adoption, uh, really hit well in my heart, uh, the other day. And, and father Javon was so nice to bring in a Belmont student that talked about his adoption story last week. Um, but my, my being adoption is a part of my family. I'll hopefully deal to detail more part of that later. Um, my brother, my older brother being adopted, but my parents uh, talked about Catholic charities and I thought, well, son of a gun, they're in the same building where we do our radio show. And so we're joined each week as we are by Father Gervon, our, our host here from University Catholic. Uh, but a very special guest, uh, Miss Julie Bowles, the head of adoption and pregnancy counseling at uh, Catholic charities. Uh, Ms. Julie, thank you so much for being here, first of all, today. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. I got a lot of good advice from my dad coming in here because he, he had worked with Catholic Charities back in 93, whenever that was. Uh, they adopted my <laughs> my older brother. Uh, but he talked to me something about some kind of beautiful, he called it the, I hate to talk about sad stuff already, but I guess the grief triangles, what he explained. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you can elaborate further on this, but as far as the birth parents, you know, no longer having control of their child, the, the child not having his birth parents, and then the adopted parents not being able to have a child. Could you elaborate more on that? Yeah, sure. Sometimes we refer to that as the adoption triad. And so you would have um, adoptive parents, you have the adoptee, and then you have the birth parents. And so each of those people are experiencing loss, but then yet they're also all connected and Mm. perceiving gains. So a birth parent who is not prepared to parent their child, then they have the opportunity to make a plan that they feel is better for their child, and that's Mm. adoption. Um, Adoptive parents, sometimes they're dealing with infertility, sometimes there's other reasons that they're looking Mm -hmm. to adopt, but sometimes loss is associated with that. So they are able to have a gain of a child in their home through adoption. And then an adoptee is able to find a permanent family 
family when their birth family is not prepared to, mm. to parent them for those reasons. So, um, so there's the adoption triad, and all of those pieces are very connected together. One of the beautiful things that I've seen in adoption, um, we've always practiced open adoptions here mm. at Catholic Charities, and I think that's really important. What is that? Great question. Great question. So openness, I kind of uh, like to define it across the spectrum. And so you have adoptions that are totally closed where the members of like the uh, the adoptive parents and the uh, birth family don't meet each other. Okay. And then you have all the way down to the other end where that triangle is very open and there's mm. lots of connections. Uh, they may be even visiting with each other during the year. They may be talking on the phone, exchanging letters, pictures. It's an open adoption. So openness can fall anywhere on that spectrum. And that is what we feel at Catholic Charities is our best practice, mm -hmm. is to have an open adoption that falls someplace on there based on a mutual trust relationship between the adoptive parents and the uh, the birth family. Mm. When you talk about the openness, I was kind of surprised last week we had a 20-year-old Belmont student come in who was adopted, but I was surprised at like how how open it was. Like with his, I was asking him, you know, was he was he distant at all with his birth parents? And he said, no, if anything, we couldn't be more close. Uh, his birth parents and the family he grew up with and his half-brothers and half-sisters, he says, it's a pretty incredible relationship, great Catholic family. They're, they're in a different state. But uh, I don't know if surprise is the white word, but it was kind of like beautiful to hear because nobody would think the opposite, but it, it couldn't have been more more true that he's like, oh, yeah, I love talking to him more and seeing him more than a few times a year. It's kind of beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes our our community can be educated about adoption based upon media and mm -hmm. movies, things like that, that like to portray really dramatic things, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, and um, but that doesn't really speak to the thousands of adoptions that are going on that are beautiful, open experiences where they, um, it's not co-parenting. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. When you have an open adoption, it's not that the birth family and the adoptive family are co-parenting together. It's, but it is just the relationship. The birth family is not able to parent for some reason, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that they can't be involved in mm -hmm. the child's life and that relationship be appropriately defined. And I think that, you know, growing up, I'm originally from Brazil, I think a lot of times adoption was that taboo, you know, I'm not going to let my kid know this, you know, and then teenagers, would, I was discovering there was that whole drama, you know. Yeah. But I think more and more as I see it's like, no, it's a, it's a, they're being opening, they are being open and talk about like, yes, you were adopted, you know, but now you are my son. And I think with Pete, it was that kind of thing, you know, like, yeah, my family is my adopted. It's, you know, it's my family. Your family. And that's mm -hmm. how, you know, he talks about mom and dad. It's always his adopted family. And yeah. then when he talked to about his birth family. So it was pretty interesting to see that last week. It's like, no, my family is this family, you know, my, mm -hmm. my adopted family. So yeah, there's not shame that yeah. it goes along with adoption. And sometimes, um, you know, back when adoption started here in the United States, there was kind of this element of shame because typically the only people who were adopting were experiencing infertility. Mm -hmm. And then there was this thought, oh, if there's infertility, there must be, you know, some kind of shame factor. So adoption would take place. Um, and it was often kind of hidden, you know, mm -hmm. like all of a sudden this adoptive mother would feign a pregnancy and then sh show up one day 
day with this baby and everybody knew what was happening, but you know, she would pass this child off as their biological child. And then you're like, well, why, why is there shame involved in this? There shouldn't be shame involved in this. It just is what it is. When I first started working in adoptions in the first three weeks, I was so blessed with a conversation from an adult adoptee. And I was talking to her and she said to me, I never remember a day that my parents sat me down and said, okay, we got to share this news with you. Mm -hmm. She just always knew it. And I was so thankful to have had that conversation in my first three weeks, because at that point, then it's really set that in my mind. Like when I am preparing families to adopt, we never want a day that they sit down and share this news. Mm. It should just always be something that is celebrated. You know, child comes into a family through biological means, a child comes into a family through adoption. Mm. It's both delightful and beautiful. And what is that preparing process like for the adopt the, the adopting parents? Does that mean how, is how, how much of a of a process is that for them when they're deciding to adopt? It's a big process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a big process. How long? Long, long. So um, a re- the responsibility of an adoption counselor is huge, right? Because mm-hmm. we, we know that there are these children who've experienced loss in their lives, mm-hmm. and it's our job to make sure that we find the right family for them. So sometimes we have to reverse that. Sometimes families come and think, Okay, now they're going to go find this perfect child for my family. That's almost is like I'm going to shop, right? Which which <laughs> options do you have? Right, right. Ooh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, we don't have a room in the back where we go fill the order, you know. Yeah, That's, bring the catalog. You know? Yeah. I don't no. like this one. Okay. Mm-mm, no, but we know that there are these children that for whatever reason, are need permanency in their, their lives. And so we're trying to find the right families for them. So when we're doing this process, the whole home study process, which I can share more about, mm-hmm. and the whole education experience is extremely important because we want to make sure when we're recommending a family to be approved as adoptive parents that we have done everything we can do to make sure they're educated and prepared to bring this child in their home because we want that to be that child's permanent home. I remember my dad talking a lot about about the home study process. Can you mm-hmm. detail that more? Like what, what exactly yeah, is going on there? Absolutely. So when we are doing a home study, we're gonna be gathering information from prospective adoptive parents through interviews, through documents. Um, that information is going, we're going to find out about their motivation. Why is it that they want to adopt? We're going to interview them about their childhood history, adolescence, their early adulthood history, their work, education, personal finances, medicals, references, background checks. So we're putting all of this together then in a typewritten document called a home study. That home study is used to um, to report the information that we have found, but it's also used in a legal setting when they go to court or if they're adopting internationally, they're going to courts there. It's used by immigration. It's used for several different purposes to fulfill the adoption. Mm-hmm. Uh, you asked me about the education process, though. The yeah. education looks different depending on the type of adoption that a family is wanting to do. So if they're wanting to adopt a newborn domestically, if they're wanting to adopt internationally, if they're wanting to adopt older child, we're going to... Uh, develop and create that education process for them that's specific to the type of adoption they want to do. Thinking about the birth parents' uh, point of view, is, is there a lot of counseling going on there as well as far as what they may be going through in their life? Yeah. Absolutely. So expecting parents come to us, um, typically they're experiencing a crisis pregnancy and they, yeah. they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. So when we start counseling, we're going to meet that expectant parent where 
she is, if the birth father's involved too, we're going to meet with him um, and talk to them about their current situation. You know, why is this a crisis? What type of support do you have? What would parenting look like? And then through that process, um, we're also going to introduce them to adoption and what that might look like. So our goal in that is to empower them with education so that they can make the decision that they feel like is, is best for their child. I heard a, a, a terrible advertisement the other day, uh, I guess on a podcast, about, uh, I guess, birth control, but just it just had the line that pregnancy is the mother of all nightmares. Isn't that just, like, sad to hear that, that that's, what, that's what our culture thinks today? It's, I mean, that's just awful. It's very you know? discouraging because um, being a parent is a beautiful thing, yeah. right? If you're prepared to do that and it's a desire, then you know, that's a beautiful thing. It's not for everyone, mm-hmm. for certain, um, but it is a beautiful thing. So, you know, I'm really sad to hear uh, about that advertisement. How hard is it, yeah, just for people... For someone that's is having a pregnancy, I guess the younger they are, the harder it is, especially if they're in, in school or in college or just out of it. What you know, to parent or to make or, an adoption or to, plan? Or to make the adoption plan, I suppose. I mean, or even to parent. I guess what what's going through their mind for a, a young couple, or if it's just the yeah. Mind. So I think you might find this interesting that um, here in Tennessee, a um, even a teenager can make an adoption plan and do not have to have parental consent to do that. Like that is their decision to be able to make. Um, I think you might also find it interesting that the average age for our parents, uh, for people who make adoption plans, is probably around that 19 to 26, 28 age range. Um, Sometimes people might think it's going to be younger children, like 15 years old. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. what they thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not always, that's not always the case. Um, And in some of those situations, when you think about it, you know, a lot of 15, 16 year olds are still living at home. They're still with their parents. They still have that support. Um, When you think about uh, people that are in their 19 to late 20s, they're on their own, right? They're beginning to. So do you think that at 16, 15 years old is more like the parents, the grandparents would take care or or give the support? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, sometimes I can never tell you in every situation, right? Because we've had many 15, 16 year olds that have made adoption plans and everybody has their reasons. Um, What's really important when we're counseling is that we want it to be a very well thought out decision by the expectant parents in making Mm -hmm. this decision. We want them to know what their options are. We want them to be educated about those options so that they can choose what they feel like is, is best. And if parenting is what they want to do, we want to be able to support them with connecting them to the right resources in our community so that they can successfully do that. It's interesting because when I'm doing marriage prep, I always, you know, we talk about, you know, how many kids are you thinking about and everything. And, I, and we always talk about adoption, you know, as an option. Well, I love that you talk about that. You That's know, fantastic. Because, you know, sometimes like, yeah, we have all these plans, whatever, like, but, you know, sometimes like, I'm going to have only one kid. And it's like, oh, you have twins. Now you have two, you know, like yeah. that kind of stuff. But also like, hey, adoption is an option as well. It comes to a point that, you know, Maybe that's why you have to, you know, go Mm -hmm. and that's where God is going to put that kid on your life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, it used to be years ago, like I said, infertility used to be a a main reason families Mm -hmm. would come. That's not necessarily the case anymore. I think because we are doing things like this, we're educating the community about the need for adoption and the need for adoptive parents. And so as a result... We find that many people come just because they have learned about the need Mm -hmm. for children needing homes. And so adoption is is on their hearts, and that's what they desire to do. And they may have a mixture in their family of both adopted children and biological children. Yeah. I I was adopted by my grandmother. So Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So it was kind of a 
But yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because you know my mom became my sister and my dad, my brother-in-law. So it was one of those crazy things. <laughs> you had to really think yeah. through all that. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I was adopted by my grandmother. Yeah. So I you know, lived with, when I was like 70, 80 years old, I just kind of moved to my grandmother's house. I was the uh, oldest um, grandson, mm-hmm. first one, you know, a lot of stuff. So yeah, it was kind of an interesting process. But, you know, with my mom and everything, it's kind of a more like a legal word but it was kind of like you know my mom you my sister now kind of thing. well i love hearing that story and we call those kinship adoptions for that very yeah. reason right and so that happens all of the time uh here as well and we do home studies and prepare families to do kinship adoptions another thing just on a side note that's yeah. kind of interesting at catholic charities we have a contract with the Tennessee Department of Children's Services. And um, that contract, we serve four different regions in Tennessee, and we do home studies for families who are pursuing to be foster families. Many of those are kinship families. So those are families where the biological parents, for some reason, aren't able to parent, mm-hmm. and they're, but they're not, necessarily, um, they're not necessarily planning to make an adoption plan. They just need some time to work on some things in their lives uh, so that they can successfully mm-hmm. parent. So they'll have kinship families like a grandmother or an aunt or something that will uh, want to, will agree to parent that child during that time period. So we're doing home studies for those families uh, who want to pursue to be foster parents. Wow. And that's a huge need uh, in our state. So yeah, I, I think, like to always put a plug in Could you elaborate more on that? I don't know, the difference in, in fostering a child. I guess it's kind of interesting because I guess it could be sad sometimes too when I read about it, how they can be taken away once sometimes, but... Uh, well, right. Sometimes, um, sometimes birth families uh, they they move into parenting. They desire to do that, and mm-hmm. then there's things that happen yeah. um, in their lives. Sometimes there's early death. Sometimes there's incarceration. Sometimes there's substance abuse issues. Sometimes there's a variety of issues that mm-hmm. put them in a position where they need to to work on some things for themselves to get in a healthier spot so that they can parent. And so I'm thankful that we have a foster care system here. Yeah. So we prepare families to provide foster care, which is temporary care. How much of those foster families really became become like adopted families? Yeah, I wish I knew the statistics on that. Um, I wish I knew that. And I bet the Department of Children's Services would have mm-hmm. those numbers. That would be interesting. You know, there would be some of those children that would also age out of that process. Yeah. They and have to be... Younger than 18 or was it? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of have an interim program after mm-hmm. they turn 18. But, um, yeah, that was, I wish I knew that. I don't know the answer to that okay. question. Uh, but I can tell you it's a large program. So just to give you an idea, um, in our international program, we here at Catholic Charities, we probably do maybe about um, – 15 to 20 placements a year that we're participating in home studies in our domestic program, probably around 35 to 40. And that's both agency and independent in foster care. We do about 470 home studies a year. So that's that's a a big difference. Yeah. A big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to touch on, and this is kind of like a, a different sentiment here. Uh, but I, I like just bringing my own testimony into it with my older brother being mm-hmm. adopted. Uh, we're Hendersonville, the other side of town. Uh, but he, he's uh, loving the death. So he's, I don't know. He's probably not listening. So I think we're good. Um, but his, his family kind of came from like histories of addiction and, and struggle with that. 
Um, but one of the things, uh, it kind of makes me really sad, it makes my parents cry too, is uh, when he would really get in, in, a, in a crazy, crazy mood and, and anger, uh, he would yell the sentence, you know, you're not my real parents. And I don't know, what are your thoughts on that point of view? And obviously after he says it, we know it's not true. Um, but there's almost nothing you can say to that except just go, of course not, you know? you know? I don't know, what are your thoughts? Well... On a lighter that's, that's a say, on, on a lighter note, there yeah. I'll have to tell you that my biological children yeah. they have um, often when they were teenagers they would get angry with I, me. I wish you were not my mom, right? And they would say, or I need a new family, and I would say, do you know what your mom does for a living? Because I might can help you. <laughs> <laughs> I have some inside opportunities for you. Yeah, I like that. Absolutely, I've got some inside <laughs> connections. I can help you. But you know what? How um, how hurtful that yeah. is to to hear that, right? Because your parents love your brother. Yeah. It's their child. And you spoke to that earlier, you know, when you were talking about an adoptee that was like, well, this is just my family. Yeah. And teenagers, just teenagers yeah. in general, you know, if they're mad at you, they like to get you however they can, right? They're going to say whatever they can say that they know is going to hurt. It, it, yeah, what is going to hurt you more, you know? Yes. I don't like you. Everybody else have a better parent right, than I do. Right, yep. And so that's not an adoption issue or a biological. That's just a teenager issue yeah. that they're going to do, and they're going to say that. So they're going to figure out what, what can I get them, you know? How can I get them, and what can I say? So yeah. as a parent, um, sometimes I will, you know, we'll, we'll get phone calls or counseling sessions with parents, adoptive parents, and they'll say things like that, you know, like, oh, you know, this is so hurtful. What do I do? And I say, you know, you express your love. Mm -hmm. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. And I know right now you're angry. I know right now you're mad. And yeah. these are the things that you're thinking, but that never changes my love for you. My love is unconditional mm -hmm. and that does not change that. So, um, you know, just sometimes it takes some parent coaching, helping them to realize it's it's not it, it is an attack because mm -hmm. they're mad at you, yeah. but and I think it's like you are yes you are my son because actually I chose you to be my son you know so it's you. kind of right. the whole yeah I when I was an exchange student um, in high school my sophomore year I came to Tennessee um, with a family in, in Cookville you know and it really became a family to me that's. Long story short, that's why I'm here today, you know, like that support of that family and everything. But I remember many times, you know, writing notes for them, like, thank you for choosing me to be part of your you family. You recognized it. You know, mm -hmm. and it's not like I'm not officially adopted by them or anything, but they are really my family, you mm -hmm. know, my mom and my dad and my brothers and sisters. So it's just kind of, yeah, it's, 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 thank you for choosing me to be here. So. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it takes moving into your adult life. To be able to look back and see, yeah, those doesn't things. say like, you know, when you little kid, you like your parents are like a, kind of your heroes and everything, and then they came to the like the teenagers, yeah. like I hate mm. my parents, and then you're like, oh, my parents out of the blue, like became really wise, you know, because yes. now, now kind of they know, you know, and isn't that what God does too? He says like, you know, you can be mad at me, but I love you always. It's yeah. kind of the, is is the parallel there. That's kind of beautiful. Um, and a nice story too, real quick, before I, I don't know how much time we have left, uh, but a little kind of glory story. My, my brother, he's doing good. He's in an addiction rehab program. Uh, but he's allowed to come home every Sunday uh, for a little visit. And uh, we have people over at the house 
and he was sitting at home, and they forgot one more thing from Kroger they had to, they had to run back and get, uh, just a little bit of a side dish. And when they walked in there, uh, after like a couple years of not seeing his birth mom, there she was in the Kroger aisle behind a face mask. Wow. And they just em- embraced each other and uh, immediately caught up. But of all the things, I don't know, it was kind of a neat, uh, just kind of a testimony just of how you can see him out of the blue. Uh, but of all things, to see him at, at, a, at a place like that, Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to, to stay close to, to to the birth parents in a way, and uh, I don't know. I guess never give up hope. Like I said, yeah, you can, you can be mad, but I'll I'll always love you, mm-hmm. you from your parents and from and from God's people. Thank you, Miss Julie, for being here today. Yeah. For all your insight, I don't know. It's beautiful hearing your testimony and where you've been. Well, I enjoyed being a part. Uh, thank you yes, all. Yes. Always to Father Javon as well for his insight. Uh, thank you for listening, tuning in to Belonging this week. Remember, you can always tune in at WBOU. Dot org or 100.5 FM or with your smart speaker by playing Nashville Catholic Radio. As we leave you today, we'll end with a song, and this is a special one, written by my mother. She was a singer. The topic of adoption has always been uh, special to our family. My older brother uh, was adopted through Catholic Charities. And this is a special song that I thought would be perfect to end the show with. One called Joseph's Song. His name uh, about my adopted son. Here is Joseph's Song by my mother, Miss Diana Jansen. A lady called to say A baby boy was on his way And his mama was so young She couldn't keep him And the reason why she phoned Was to find the child a home It didn't take us very long To say we'll take him A gift from heaven We had long been praying Today you'll meet your son You were so little lying there With your head so full of hair And your dad and I were so very proud And the good Lord knew you'd need some company Bone of my bone, but still somehow you are.
flesh of my flesh Bone of my bone But still somehow You are my own On the next Belonging, the show for young Catholic adults. So you can better get to know your host, we let Father Javon turn the tables and interview Zach. I'm a country singer, y'all. You know, my family's country theater, so we would do country shows like 200 nights a year. And we learn a little bit about Father Javon, too. When I was in Brazil, I had a radio show daily, radio show for youth. A Meet Your Hosts episode of Belonging, the show for young Catholic adults. Thursday at 11 on WBOU, Nashville Catholic Radio.